With an essential quality to develop in order to be effective in your service, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Develop a thick skin while maintaining a soft heart, not the other way around, where you have a soft skin and everything bothers you and everything bugs you and not everything didn't go your way and somebody didn't say hi to you. and so All these little things that in and of themselves are really not anything personal, but because you're so sensitive, you don't even handle it right and then your heart gets hard. You want the other way around. You don't want a hard heart and a soft skin. You want a thick skin and a soft heart so you can be effective. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You It's been said that an unguarded strength is a double weakness. And while sensitivity can be helpful, it can also work against you. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We've come to the last gift listed in Romans chapter 12. It's the gift of mercy. We heard last time what it looks like in a believer. Today, we'll hear of some pitfalls to avoid. Getting today's lesson started with what Jesus taught about this gift, here's Pastor Ed. Mercy, it infiltrates the life of any vibrant ministry. But in Luke chapter 10, verse 30, we have this parable. It's a beautiful picture of this gifting. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And some of you with the gift of mercy, your heart's already breaking for the guy. Like, oh, how horrible. How horrible that that would happen. And so he, Jesus is speaking to a bunch of self-righteous leaders, spiritual leaders here, and he says, By chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, another spiritual leader, when he arrived at the place, he came and looked and passed by on the other side. Here there were the ones that were supposed to care and have concern for the flock. They see someone in need in this story. They go, no, I don't have time for it. I don't have time for it. So absorbed in their self-righteousness, they pass on by. So what does Jesus do? Verse 33. A certain Samaritan, don't let that go by. Samaritans were despised by the Jews. They didn't like them, didn't hang around with them. They avoided them. They saw them as, as not full Jews and, and just didn't want anything to do with them. They avoided them at all costs. And I love it. Jesus says, you know, the very people that you despise, I'm going to use them in a story. And so a Samaritan comes by and he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. The very people they wrote off. Oh, that's where compassion arises, huh? He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and he sat him on his own animal and brought him to the inn and took care of him. That's mercy. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I'll repay you. And so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Religious leader, religious leader, despised Samaritan. And notice, they can't even get the word Samaritan out of their mouths. They just go, well, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, yeah, go and do likewise. The gift of mercy, that's what it looks like right there. You see a need and you meet it. You spend your life on meeting those kinds of needs. You take no thought of yourself, which can be a danger for you. 
You just care about helping other people in Jesus' name. And so, as with other giftings, there are dangers and hazards with this one. So if you want to take some notes, if you have the gift of mercy, you want to watch out for these things. And if you don't have the gift of mercy, you want to be patient and long-suffering with those that do when they fall into these traps. Number one, things to watch out for. Because you're so in tune with your feelings, you can become an overly sensitive person. Much more sensitive than you need to be. And what I mean by that is that because you're more on a feeling level than most people, you can become too sensitive and tend to be hurt too easily. And you start to read into things. And you just start to take something that was very, very simple and you run with it and you're overly sensitive and you hurt too easily. What you need to do is to begin to develop, and like I share this with all the leaders in this church, all the staff, all the lay leaders, all the volunteers, I try to get it out as much as possible. You really want to be successful and spiritually fruitful in the ministry. You've got to learn this. Develop a thick skin while maintaining a soft heart. Not the other way around. Where you have a soft skin and everything bothers you and everything bugs you and not everything didn't go your way and somebody didn't say hi to you and so all these little things that in and of themselves are really not anything personal, but because you're so sensitive, you don't even handle it right, and then your heart gets hard. You want the other way around. You don't want a hard heart and a soft skin. You want a thick skin and a soft heart so you can be effective. You need to be able to develop that and be real careful so that the enemy doesn't use it as an opportunity to destroy you. Because if you haven't heard lately, Satan hates you and has a horrible plan for your life. And he'll do whatever it takes to take you out. And one of them can be being overly sensitive. Number two, another danger here for those with the gift of mercy is that you can easily start to live by only your feelings. And you start to live and make decisions only based on emotion. Big danger. And you don't want to go there. Because you're so in tune with your feelings, you may begin to live only by your feelings. And you start to make important decisions just because you have a strong feeling. Instead of making them on the wisdom and the facts and the truth, not only of God's word, but all the counsel around you. And so you want to be careful. I mean, it's true for people with the gift of mercy, but it's true for all of us. We do not want to live on the realm of our mode. We don't want to make big decisions just because we have a feeling or a strong feeling. It's important to learn that though you've been gifted with heightened feelings, you cannot live by them alone. The just shall live by faith. We live by faith, not by sight or by feelings or emotions. And you know as well as I do, emotions, our feelings can absolutely stifle us. I mean, we could be doing good so well. We'd be doing good on Monday. We get a phone call on Tuesday morning and boom, we're gone. They go, what happened? Give me Monday back again. And no, your feelings, my feelings, they just rise up. They can, they can overwhelm you like a flood. They just, oh man, I can't believe it. You see, for the person that does live by their feelings all the time, they tend to fall into serious depths of depression and despondency because they live in that realm. The situations that are going on, they start getting upset. They, they isolate themselves. What the Bible says is not wise. They start thinking on things. They're not in the Word anymore. The Word doesn't mean their prayer life becomes empty. And you start getting bummed out and beat up and you get depressed, even to the point of being despondent. But if you're able to navigate through these dangers, you know, if you're able to stick with it, you know what God will do? He'll bring somebody with the gift of mercy 
to help you. <laughs> Isn't that great? He'll just take care of you. But you got to be careful. If you're easily overcome by your emotions, you may be prone to think that as long as you feel good about something, it's okay. And when you feel bad about something, it's not okay. And if you're not careful, you'll start making decisions. Well, if you have a good feeling about that, I guess I should. But what if it's contrary to the Word of God? What if it's the wrong decision? You feeling good about it doesn't make it right. Or what if it's a good decision and God is clear and you go, oh, I don't feel good about that. I don't think I should do it. Well, you really need to be careful to trust in God's Word. The kind, this kind of living can lead you to make compulsive decisions that you end up regretting, leading you to have consequences that you never wanted in the first place. And they really hurt you, even though you don't see it right now, and they hurt those around you. A real danger here is that you may even begin to struggle with the assurance of God's presence in your life. The enemy might even come in your life in a time like this and start sending these arrows of doubt in your life. You might even start to doubt your own salvation because in the realm of feelings, you're just given over to them. I've been here, not many times, but at least one time in my Christian life, I've been right there in a place of despondency and deep depression for about six or seven weeks. It wasn't a moral failure. It wasn't a major sin like that. It was a closed door from the Lord. It was right before we moved here, just months before we moved here to Aurora. I had thought that God was taking us to another city. So we ramped up and we're ready to go. And when we got there, the answer was no. And I remember thinking, oh my, I don't have any idea what I'm doing. I can't even hear from God. I wonder if I understand it. I wonder if my whole Christian life is just worthless. I wonder if I've ever heard anything right. You know, I'm not going back to that church. I don't want to have to face everybody and have to tell them we're not moving. I'm not going back to that church. I'm not going there. I'm not even going back to church. As a matter of fact, honey, you just go. I don't want to go. And I would just sit there just depressed and full of sorrow. And, and I'm, I'm like, like, man, I wonder if I'm even saved. And God's so good. He sent people in my life that have the gift of exhortation. And he sent people in my life that have the gift of mercy. And he sent people in my life to have the gift of prophecy and have the gift of teaching. And through the teaching of my pastor and through just the faithfulness of God, that cloud was lifted up and I learned. Well, I can tell you for me, you know, because when I talk of these things, I'm not just pulling a commentary off the shelf and go, oh, you know, I've heard this happen. I mean, this is the real deal. This is where many of you live. I know. I think it through in my life and I could tell you what God was dealing with with me was pride. He was dealing a death blow to an area of my life where I was self-sufficient where I had everything figured out, where I was going to do it, and I was going to be, and I was, and I was, and before long, I could just, like, hearing God, I could just hear in my prayer time just God saying, Ed, I want to use you, but I'm not going to use you like that. I'd love to see you fruitful, but you are too full of yourself. That's not easy to hear. <laughs> That's a hard thing to hear. That's a hard thing to process. But you know what? God in his faithfulness and in his mercy... You know, if God wasn't merciful, he could have just took me and said, bam, next. <laughs> Any other believers that want to get it right? But he's merciful, and he's kind, and he's just, and he's wonderful, and he's gracious. And he let me go through that time, but not for too long. And a lot, I look back on that time, a lot of it was based on impressions and feelings, and, and God just allowed it in my life to teach me. I don't know what God's doing in your life. I'm not saying that he's dealing a death blow to pride in your life, but maybe he is. I don't know. But I do know that you need to let God use it in your life to teach you, to grow you, and to make you a better believer. You want to be careful. We're called to live by faith, not by our feelings. Number three, 
Here's another thing that can happen for those of you with the gift of mercy, and that is, it's easy for you to develop a critical spirit and just not be happy about anything anymore. Because you're tuned into how people feel, you'll struggle with overreacting to things. You'll overreact to people. You'll overreact to situations. You'll overreact because you're in tune with your feelings, but you've got to temper them by the truth. And if you're not careful, you will be overly critical. And things that you once overlooked are big deals now. Huge. You might even be critical. I'll give you a good example of it. You might even be critical when the church enacts church discipline. And that is where an unrepentant person is no longer welcome within the body of Christ until they repent. It's biblical. It's hard to do. It's a very difficult thing to go through. And there are many steps that God outlines for us in Matthew 18. But see, you might hear of somebody saying, going through biblical church discipline, and with the gift of mercy, your response might be, no, 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 give him another chance, man. Give him another chance. Let's help the brother. And your heart is just drawn. You want to help the person. But see, that feeling can actually lead you to want to help the person contrary to God's specific will for their lives. You can read it for yourself in 1 Corinthians. There was a guy there in sexual immorality, and Paul said, turn them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. And just listening to that, you're like, what? I don't want to turn anybody over to Satan, man. No. Sometimes you need to learn that love needs to be firm for the health of the body. Love needs to be firm with discipline in the home for the health of the home. Of course, none of us like discipline, right? It doesn't feel good. It's like, which one of us likes to get spanked or grounded or put in time out? But I'll tell you what. The Bible says that when we're disciplined, we're reminded of God's love for us, right? Because if he just let us go to do whatever we wanted to do, it would reflect a lack of love on God's part because he wants what's best for us. So be careful. Don't be critical about everything. Just pray and seek the Lord. I know you see a lot of things because you're in tune with that, but just... Guard yourself from it. It's a danger. Number four, this makes sense. Another danger to watch out for is you can easily become depressed and burned out. We looked at that. That's why in Romans chapter 12, right, if you have this gifting, it says for you to show mercy with what? Cheerfulness. That's right. Because you're dealing with the bummed outness of life all the time. He says, okay, those of you that have this gift, make sure you're cheerful. Make sure you're smiling. Make sure you're happy. Make sure you're filled with the joy of the Lord. Otherwise, you'll get bummed out. That word cheerfulness in the original language, you know, we get our English word hilarious from. And so just serve with mercy hilariously. Not, not overlooking the hurt. But you know the value sometimes when just somebody gives you a smile. Not a frown, you know. Turn that frown upside down and be happy, right? Come to that place where you're growing and surround yourself with happy people. It doesn't help to be surrounded by, woe is me. The world is falling. I know, man. And then all you're doing is feeding. You guys need to be surrounded. We need to be surrounded with some happy people, cheerful people. I think Christians should be the happiest human beings on the face of the planet. Not that we're happy in the face of danger. You know, we, grieve, we don't grieve or weep. Of course we do. It's not that we avoid all the pains of life. Of course we're not going to avoid the pains of life. But you know what? You're saved. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus has saved your soul. That alone should make it really happy. Amen. Amen. I agree. Yes. So those of you that deal with all this stuff, let me give you a verse to put in your heart, okay? Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Maybe this is just speaking directly to you. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you can't find it, look on your neighbor. Just kind of follow them along. That's okay. You're going to learn the books of the Bible. Don't be discouraged. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want, I, want you to, I want you to memorize this. I want you to take it in. It's another verse on spiritual warfare. And David said in the Psalms, he said, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. And so, if you put this particular scripture in your heart, it'll help you not to sin against the Lord in these areas. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Now that word simply means human or fleshly or human-centered. When we're fighting in the battle of spi- in the spiritual realm, the weapons that we use are not human, not fleshly, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. In the realm of mercy, in the realm of ministering one another, one of the biggest strongholds in your life is bitterness. Don't let bitterness creep into your life. Don't feed it. Don't make it a friend because it's going to get a stronghold. It's a lot like the weeds in your front yard, right? I remember as a kid, my mom would tell me to go mow the lawn and take care of the weeds. So in my mind, I heard, go mow the lawn real quick and go play. I go, okay, I'll do that. So I'd go out and I'd mow the lawn. I didn't like mowing it then. I don't like mowing it now, but I would go out and take care of it. And mom would say, hey, is it done? Yeah, go look at it. She'd look out the window, looks perfect, can't see a weed in sight until two days later. You know why? Because I just mowed them over, right? (laughs) Don't want a weed? Mow it over. It's going to go away. It'll come back as just as slow as the grass, right? Wrong. So on Tuesday, my mom would say, hey, you're not going out to play. Go take care of the weeds. What do you mean? I took care of the weeds. Come over here. She'd grab me by the ear. No, I'm just kidding. She'd bring me over, and she'd say, look at that. And you know what happens. If you don't pull those weeds out from the roots slowly, one by one, they come back, don't they? With friends. (laughs) All over the place. That's what you got to do with bitterness. Because you don't have to do anything with weeds. You just let them grow. I mean, you could have the most beautiful garden. You spend 50 hours a day, even though there's only 24 hours in a day, you spend 50 hours a day taking care of your garden. You've got beautiful, beautiful fruit and vegetables. It is wonderful. You spend all that time. You've got to do this and do that, do that. You don't spend any time with the weeds, and it's 10 times bigger, right? You're like, you wish weeds were fruit and fruit were weeds, right? That should work that way, but it doesn't. That's how bitterness is. Well, I don't have a problem with bitterness. Maybe you do, and you're not paying attention to it, and it's growing and growing and growing and growing, and it's a stronghold in your life. But God, he's given us weapons to cast down and bring down strongholds. Verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Notice, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know what the knowledge of God is? Truth. That's the knowledge of God. And there's a lot of things in the spiritual realm designed to get you and I not to believe the truth. So be careful. Be cheerful. Be happy. Be lighthearted. Make an effort to do that. Cultivate joyful attitude. Cultivate a habit of seeing good in people and seeing good in situations. It'll help you. And then finally, I know we're running out of time. I just need a few more minutes. Finally, this last warning is if you have the gift of mercy, you need to be careful not to become emotionally entangled. Not to become emotionally entangled with the person. It doesn't mean you don't help and you're not there, but what happens is you can start to take ownership of the person, you can start to take ownership of their life, and now they become a project to you. And when they don't respond to you as a project, you get really mad at them. You go, hey, 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 don't take my counsel. I don't like your counsel. I know, they don't like God's counsel either. But because you're emotionally entangled, now, you, now it's all about you. And you're not doing it. And you're not helping. And you're not. And before you know it, you might, you get connected to where you've made the mistake that you're the one that's going to help them. Can I just clear the air for you right now? You're not the one that's going to help them. Jesus Christ 
is the one that's going to help them. And he's going to use you to get into their lives. Once you get that, once you grasp that, you're going to feel a lot freer as you love and serve people. They're not your projects. They're precious people that Jesus Christ died for. So be careful not to become emotionally entangled. Satan's a schemer. Don't let people become a project to you. Don't try to own them. Don't be married to a ministry. Don't be, be married to Jesus Christ, and he'll lead you and guide you. And I love the gift of mercy. God has given some men and women in the church this supernatural ability to come alongside others, to help encourage, to help build up, to help in tough times. So we, before we leave, let's look at all the gifts with little Mary learning how to ride a bike again. You ready? Just by way of reminder, just to see how God uses all these different gifts and connects us in the body to help little Mary ride this bike. So here she is. She's getting rid of her training wheels. And a person with the gift of prophecy comes and probably sounds a little bit like this. Okay, Mary, here's your bike. Get on that bike and ride it. You can do it. And whatever you do, don't fall off. The Bible says we can do all things through Christ Jesus. So go. It's good to have people with that kind of gift to speak the word into our lives. Maybe somebody with the gift of service might sound like this. Just a minute, Mary. Before you get on that, let me fix that seat. It's a little too high for you. Oh, yeah, let me check the air in the tires, too. And while I'm at it, I'll readjust those training wheels for you. Let me see your helmet. It doesn't fit real well. And you just want to serve. Whatever you need from me, Mary, I'm here to help you. It's good. Somebody with the gift of teaching might sound like this. This is a bike, Mary. Do you know what a bike is? A bike is a vehicle with two wheels in tandem, typically propelled by pedals and having handlebars for steering with a saddle-like seat. Now, this is how you do it. You sit down, you push the pedals with your feet, balancing your weight like this. Give me the bike, Mary. Let me show you. <laughs> the gift of exhortation, you might sound like this. Come on, Mary. You can ride this bike. Let's go. You can do it. And then you'd run alongside little Mary, holding the bike up as she rode, cheering her on to make sure she did it. Someone with the gift of giving might sound like this. Mary, I've got a surprise for you. I just bought you your very own bike. Here, take it, use it. I hope you enjoy it. Now, ride it, and then you leave off. You just give her the bike, because you love to give. Someone with the gift of leading might say, Mary, sit down. It's time to learn how to ride a bike. <laughs> Before you start, let's make sure you know and understand the steps involved. Number one, you start riding. Number two, you turn. Number three, you lean into it. And most important is you know how to stop. So here are the brakes, and this is what you do, and this is how you do it. And then you might get on with the gift of leading, and you might go and ride a little circle around Mary so she can see how to ride a bike, because, of course, you want to lead by example. The gift of mercy now might sound something like this. Oh, Mary, you really need to learn how to ride a bike. I know it can be real scary, and you can get hurt, but I'll be there for you. I've got some bandages and medicine to help you if you fall. You know what, Mary? I remember the time I fell off of my bike. <laughs> I've got the scar here to prove it, but you know, over the years, I've really learned how to ride a bike, and, and you know what, Mary? I just want to let you know, on the other end, I have a popsicle waiting for you if you make it all the way through. <laughs> A vivid illustration from Pastor Ed Taylor on the gift of mercy, along with these other gifts that are so vital to the life and health of the church. We trust you've identified your gift and are encouraged to use it as the Spirit directs. Thanks for listening to Abounding Grace.
To hear today's message again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. And we have a couple of apps we'd like to recommend that are free and available on all platforms. This is another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings, including this present series. Search for Calvary Aurora and download our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app as well. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to people all across the world, but we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come alongside us with financial and or prayerful support. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. And if you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. And as you give $25 or more today, request a copy of the book, Love, The More Excellent Way, authored by Pastor Chuck Smith. Ask 10 people on the street what love is, and you might get 10 different answers. So what is love? See how God answers that question in this wonderful book enjoyed by many. Again, call 877-30-GRACE, and we can take your resource request. We'll have another study in Romans for you tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Blessings to you. This is a messing grace. This is a Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.